Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. We have patients when they go home, because sometimes they have home leave and things like that, they'll say to people, like they'll say, where have you been? And they prefer to say they've been to prison. Mm-hmm. And so I've been to prison rather than being in hospital. Because if you say prison, you don't get as many follow-up questions as if you say I've been in hospital. They go, what's, what's wrong with you? And, and people don't want to kind of um, talk to people with a kind of serious mental illness. It's mentally yours from Ellen and focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. I work in a low secure mental health hospital. Uh, it's got lots of different patients in there. All of them have been sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Uh, normally, people get sectioned when they're arrested themselves or others. But the patients we have sometimes are in there for a long time, sometimes they're in there for a short time. Various different mental illnesses they have. So we have people with bipolar, people with schizophrenia, we have personality disorder patients, we have a mixture of male and female patients, uh, and we have about 70-odd patients at the moment. And what's your job there? So I'm a mental health nurse. Don't ask me what that job is because it's very difficult to describe. But basically we kind of um, help the patients with all different facets of their recovery so all different types of um, therapies we help with and we dish out the medication we help them with money basically we're all things to all people we're kind of the link i would say between the doctor and the patient also i think this is something that we assume people know but when you say sectioned yes what does that mean and like what kind of situation is someone in to get sectioned right so uh yeah in order to be sectioned it's quite a serious thing so uh it basically means that they can't leave the hospital so they're detained so basically uh two doctors and two professionals would have to agree that they're so unwell mentally that they're either a risk to themselves or the public and so they can't leave hospital and so they have to be in for treatment i think the uh idea that people have is you know Mm. the peep show episode where it's like oh Possibly, oh yeah, there possibly. is a yeah. In, 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 there's a woman that's sectioned. Yeah, yeah, and they, but then they try and section each other. They're just sectioning each other funny. for like right. fun, okay. as like a fun prank, which yeah. obviously is not the reality of what sectioning is. No, but I mean, but there is a lot of fear and a lot of kind of mystery about yeah. when someone gets sectioned, and people assume that you kind of get locked away and you're put away for a long, long time. We'll never see you again. But there's loads of people sectioned, and loads of people currently on section, and they're still living lives and still you know have lots to give, and they're still doing their therapies. 
And I think part of the reason I did the podcast is to try and give them a bit of a voice because I, I feel like you don't see or hear them very often, you know, people mm. that have been on section. There was a lot of um, stuff about people that had previously been on section, written really well about what it was like to be on section, but I wanted to get people that are currently on section and hear what their experience is like being in hospital. And once someone is sectioned, mm-hmm. how long do they have to... Or does it depend? It, it, it depends. The kind of, we're getting into really complicated yeah. things, but there is like different types of sections. So mm-hmm. section two would be it's only for 28 days. So you're in for kind of assessment, really. Mm-hmm. We have section three, which is a bit longer. That's like six months. So most of the patients we have would be on three, which means they're in for a kind of a long, long period of time to kind of um, get therapy and things like that. But the, there's even shorter ones than that. I'm, I'm not making, mentioning all of them, but, but uh, generally... Initially, it's a section two, 28 days. And then after that, if they feel that you still need to be in hospital for a bit longer, mm-hmm. they put you on a section three. And that doesn't mean you'll be in for six months. I mean, you could get better after two, three months and, and be out. Um, or it could take longer. It's kind of obviously it's varying on the person's presentation. How does it affect the dynamic between mm-hmm. you and patients? Because obviously in other hospitals, um, there isn't that sort of situation where people are being detained mm-hmm. sometimes against their will. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, like the power dynamic. At the end of the day, um, we do get to go home. And it's hard for the patients, uh, you know, because they see us go home and see us, you know, have holidays and things like that. And it is hard. And we always talk about, like, we carry the keys because obviously we have keys to get in and out and things like that. And uh, you kind of have to be mindful and empathetic to the patients and realise that, you know, they can't leave. But but also that um, it's not their home. They're just kind of staying here for that time. But you try and make it as a... We try and make the hospital kind of as homely as possible so uh, so they can personalise their rooms, they've got posters and things like that. And we try and make it individual to them. And uh, I was saying to you earlier that it's a lot less clinical, I think, than people think. So people have the image in their head of, like, normal hospitals. I say normal hospitals, <laughs> but general hospitals where kind of we have... Uh, you know white rooms and, and things like that and everything's very sterile but in the hospital it's very different like we don't wear uniforms the patients don't wear uniforms it's all very uh like i said the ambition is to try and make it as less clinical as possible what actually happens at the mental health hospital as well uh well i suppose i mean i could go for a day so yeah, in the morning they wake great. up at you know nine o'clock and we have medication in the morning normally we have medication three times a day not necessarily all patients will be on medication three times a day but we have three medication slots and then after they've had meds, normally we'll have a community meeting, which is kind of where the patients and the staff will get together and we discuss any issues that are going on the ward or any problems they have or what they're planning for the day. And then kind of from 10 o'clock onwards, they're on into like therapy time. So they're all individualised therapy. So mm. I think on the podcast you hear that some of them do music, some of them love sport, and we try and focus on whatever they like to do there are like psychology sessions as well and a big thing particularly on the ward uh, where the podcast is recorded is leave so having leave is such an important thing for them going to the community you know going to the library just accessing community services is really really important for them to try and you know prepare them for when they do get out three o'clock we'll have a more therapies and then about four o'clock sometimes i'll have a roundup of the day so we come in we check in we see how did everybody go how was your day have dinner more meds and bed See, that's interesting because I, if you asked me to describe a day yeah. there, I would honestly think of, like you're saying, like a clinical hospital yeah. that's kind of sitting there bored, not really yeah, anything yeah. to do. I so mean, this is, that's obviously a rough estimate. You know, they all do various different things. Mm-hmm. I think last couple of weeks ago, they went out to a theme park and things like that. So there's all various different things that we have going on. And every um, couple of months, they'll have parties and things like that. So there's always different things going on. 
Do you mind if we talk a tiny bit about restraint? Because I think yeah. that's something that people are mm. afraid of in the same yeah. way that they might be afraid of being sectioned. Mm-hmm. So how often does an instance come up where you'd need to use restraint and what happens these days? Because obviously there's been changes in the law recently. Yes. So, uh, I mean, it, it does happen. It, we try and keep it as minimal as we can and as rare as we can. We've all started, we've all been trained in this new stuff called uh, Mapper, and it's all about management. Oh, God, I've forgotten the acronym. But anyway, the whole idea is to, to not restrain, essentially. So the, the whole three days, I think it's a five-day course, and four days are made up of trying not to restrain someone. So using everything possible to limit the amount of time that you would restrain someone or the need to restrain someone. They all have uh, their own personal plans. So before they get unwell, they'll say to us, look, when I'm unwell, this really works for me. So we've got one chap, he likes to put his fist in um, ice, like a bucket of ice, and it kind of just gets him out that moment and things like that. Some of them like to be alone, some of them like to talk, and, and we try and get all them plans in place before it gets to that stage. Um, and then if it does get to that stage, we only ever intervene when it's like, uh, if they're physically aggressive to, to people or someone. And then we try and do it for the shortest amount of time possible. And, and normally, I mean, I can only speak in my experience with, with the men, it's, it's very short-lived. So normally they're very angry at, at, at that immediate point. We kind of uh, restrain them for the shortest time possible and then they kind of come out of it a bit. Um, but it's, it's like, um, uh, it's interesting you ask me because it's probably the worst part of my job, <laughs> to be honest. It's the thing I like doing the least. It's almost like we try everything else to try and avoid doing that. What don't you like about it? Well, I just don't like, uh, you know, putting hands on someone. It, mm. it feels like the, um, in a way that I've kind of failed, that the other interventions haven't worked. And it's, you know, this person has got to the stage where nothing else is working. And, and I feel like that, uh, I just don't like doing it. I don't like having to, I'm not really an aggressive person. And, and that's not why I came into nursing, really. It's not my um, goal or ambition. But, but I realise that, unfortunately, it does have a place that uh, sometimes people are in a state where, unfortunately, you do have to use it. Yeah, and you talk about on your podcast that, mm. you know, occasionally there's instances where someone's sort of in psychosis maybe. And I know one of the chats you had, someone was talking about um, a guy sort of ran towards him with his sort of fist raised. Yeah. But then he actually turned around and punched a window, which was awful, oh still awful. Yeah. But um, yeah, but actually he, the guy you chatted to had a really interesting mm. take on that, which was actually he was glad he had a, a good relationship with that guy mm. because he thinks that the reason he punched the window rather than him was because they were quite close. So yeah, I mean, yeah it's really that, interesting. That was a positive. I know, oh, it sounds bad if someone's punched <laughs> window but you know that previously he might have punched someone mm. and punching a window obviously is not very good but it's better than assaulting someone um so uh, yeah it's positive in a way so we should probably mention the podcast so you've mentioned it briefly but haven't really covered what it is should have done yeah should have done that at the start to be honest how okay. can we listen to it so uh, it's called on the ward you can find it at anywhere you find podcasts so itunes or wherever uh, you can also visit the st andrew's healthcare website you can find it there and on twitter so if you just do hashtag on the ward you'll find it and we're going to listen to a clip now i use the term psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. in the intro is that the correct term what do we call these places for me personally i would call it a psychiatric hospital if i was describing where i work to people outside mm. but when i'm in the hospital i just call it a hospital and what is this hospital what does it do this hospital is for people that have got quite serious mental health issues mm. and this has led them to either be a risk to themselves or a risk to others so it's like the old school vision of like the asylums that that's what these places kind of became so the places where people wear straight jackets and white coats and things like that that's the old version definitely very very old version yeah, but i think people still have that kind of image in their head when they think of places like this mm-hmm. and, and so what type of patients would be here there's a mixture of patients with or without a forensic history. What does forensic mean? 
a criminal record. They've had trouble with the law. Patients we have here can't come and go as they please. Um, and they need to have permission from the psychiatrist to leave the hospital. The, the reason I started, two reasons really. One is, like I said to you earlier, about the patient voice. So I feel patients on section, you never really hear from them. They're not on TV. But there's a huge portion of people that are on section. And, you know, they've still um, got lots to give. And so I thought it would be really nice to hear their voice. Um, uh, the unique thing with the podcast is you retain the patient's voice, but you keep kind of the anonymity. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really nice to hear their voice and hear their story. So that's number one. Uh, number two is I still think there's a lot of mystery and kind of stigma a bit about mental health hospitals. People still have the old image of uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and mm. uh, Hollywood films. And I wanted to kind of demystify it a bit. I think um, I don't blame anyone for having that um, image in their head because I think as mental health professionals, we haven't been open enough and letting people in to see kind of hospitals and what they're like and if people haven't seen them they're going to fill it in with things that they have seen which is like the Hollywood films. So on the podcast you mm. talk to um, inpatients and you also talk to staff. Yes. Um, did you have a tough time convincing people to get involved with this? With anything new people are a bit wary particularly um, with mental health patients and particularly because nothing like it had been done before and I think people are really sceptical and really wary of kind of the media particularly because they don't know how it's going to be spun but um, once I kind of explained to people what I was trying to do and what I was trying to aim for uh, people were really kind of into it there's obviously a few people that are still a bit wary like we had um, we had a journalist come in uh, to kind of you know see the patients and write an article about the thing and people were very wary about that people were like well who knows what she's going to write mm-hmm. and things like that um, but I think we do have to be a little more open and let people in. And they may write bad stuff, they may write good stuff, and we just have to embrace it, I think. But crucially, as you said, the patients on there are anonymous if they want yes. to be. So mm. that's really mm. great. But you can still hear them in their own words. Mm. Um, what sort of response did you get actually from the hospital itself when you said, I'd like to do this podcast? I think they were, they were kind of uh, behind it. They were really kind of supportive and they kind of helped me with you know, setting up the equipment and setting up all kinds of things like that and getting kind of legal rights and things like that. So they were very um, supportive of it. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think like I said, it, it was more the, the staff on the, the wards were a little bit wary because, obviously, they never had anything mm-hmm. like that. And the, the hospital, was, like I say, is a low-secure low ward, so we're actually not supposed to have any kind of recording equipment in. There's no mobile phones allowed in. There's nothing like that. And so if I'm coming in with podcast equipment, they're like, oh, what's he, you know, how's, he, how's he coming in with that? We're not allowed a phone. So they were a bit wary. But, um, but the ones who appeared on it were, were very up for it and very um, open and honest. And I, I always um, get a bit Hollywood. But basically, as soon as I heard the first patient, I was like, I have to get it out now. Mm. You know what I mean? It's when, you, when I heard the first patient's recording, I listened to it back. I thought, God, I, I owe it to him now to, to get it out. Um, and the staff as well. The staff are really um, kind of open and honest. And um, yeah, had you had the opportunity to just sit and chat with inpatients before in the way that you do on the podcast? Yeah, well, look, obviously I've worked there for you know a long time, ten mm. years, and so I, I do know them like quite well. Um, and you do get that opportunity to talk to them, and that's like I said that's the main part of the job really mm. is talking to patients and getting to know them. Everything is easier if you know someone. So if someone is getting upset because they're anniversary of someone's death or something like that if you know them you, you know that's coming up and you can kind of help um i think that's the hardest thing when you get patients in that are new or you don't know them or you're a ward that you don't know that's when it becomes quite challenging because you don't know you know what works well for that patient but yeah i, I do speak to them and uh, yeah and i think it uh, comes across in the podcast mm. interestingly i was saying to you that <clears throat> when you speak to them on the podcast they're a lot more professional <laughs> and i'm a lot more professional <laughs> yeah whereas maybe on the ward we're a little bit more uh, 
what's the word uh, colloquial mm. but it's unusual in kind of any job to be able to have those in-depth mm. talks and just sit down and have that one-on-one have you learned anything that you didn't know before from oh, I, those talks yeah, oh, absolutely yeah i mean uh, like i said i because i'm a nurse i suppose i kind of assumed that the reason patients get better is because of medication and therapy and things mm. like that uh, but when you speak to the patients the theme that kind of tends to come across is they all talk about the uh, connections they have with people so the staff or other patients and things like that and I think that was interesting to me that I presumed it would be I know it's obviously the meds or, or whatever but they say no it's, it's the human connection having someone to talk to and having someone there is the thing that's helped them get through and, and you know help them in their recovery and I think there's kind of a lesson there for for everyone really that we all need someone just to be able to talk to and even it, it doesn't have to be like a meaningful conversation you know someone in the shop that you can say hello to or someone regular that you know mm. um so yeah that was a lesson for me definitely you mentioned low secure yeah and you said no phones yes what what does it mean to be low secure and what else oh, so, are you so, not um, allowed low secure is a bit of a weird term because mm. it makes it sound like it's not too bad yeah. but actually low secure is quite um strict and so there's, there's kind of restrictions on what they're allowed in there and things like, that, like no razors and no uh, mobile phones. I think mobile phones is more about because um, the patients obviously have to retain their anonymity, and somebody mm. might record them. And it, you know, so they're allowed. Um, I think they're allowed. What do you call it now? The uh, the old phones. You know, the old style phones where there's no camera and no. Mm. The, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. right. like, like, it's a not yeah. a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a smartphone. Yes, yeah, yeah. not a smartphone. Exactly. Like a granny phone, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's just basically because they're worried that people might take pictures and and mm. you know. Anyway, but. Um, mm. But low secure, yeah, so basically there's three different types. There's low secure, medium, and high. So mm. high, there's only like three or four in the whole country, and they're like the really um, high secure, so uh, Broadmoor and Rampton and things like that. Yeah. Medium secure, there's quite a few more, but then we're low secure, which is probably where most kind of patients that are in secure hospitals would be. Mm. Um, it's just a different level of restrictions that, that are on the, the ward in the hospital. So like we're allowed some stuff, but not all stuff, whereas medium, not we're allowed less stuff, and then high. So what stuff. are you allowed and not allowed? Uh, well, I said no phones. Mm. Uh, we try, like I said, they're allowed most things, mm. and and most uh, stuff is. So, like I said about razors, they are kind of allowed um, shaving equipment and things like that, but it's locked away. Mm. So there's lots of things like that where it is allowed in the hospital, but it's more kind of uh, kept locked yeah. just for like security and things like that, and like safety and safety that makes exactly. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, like I said, uh, we there is also uh, like open wards. We're not. We don't have one of them. But I, I think most people's experience is on open wards mm. or acute wards, um, and we're kind of the next stage up. So where people really need to be kind of detained for for a short period of time. This is likely a stupid question, yeah. and also just because it's my own like selfish yeah, yeah. reasons. But is, are inpatients allowed to access the internet? Uh, they are, yeah. but it's kind of, uh, it is monitored. Yeah. So they are allowed to, um, we've got like computer rooms and things like that where they're allowed to use it. But again, uh, there's, there's obviously issues with like Facebook and things mm. like that. So they may be trying to contact people that don't want to be contacted by them and things yeah. like that. So it is kind of, it is restricted. But, uh, but then again, it's all based on their kind of risk at the time. So if they start getting better, then they start getting leave. And if people have leave, they're allowed their phones, they're allowed to access the internet, do what they want. It's interesting to me, like, how cut off from normal life mm. it is. Like, I don't know what the degree is. Like, for example, yeah. if someone... If someone were watching, like, Great British Bake Off, yeah. would they... If they were in hostel, yeah. that's it. They're not going to know what's going on in that. No, or, I mean, they're all very up-to-date yeah. on all the things like that. So they know uh, Bake Off, the, the, some of the female patients love Strictly and things like that. Yeah. Um, what's the one that went... You know, uh, 
The Great Showman. That had a great... that Everybody loved that when that came out. And, I didn't you know, see it. You haven't seen it? It's meant to oh be very God. good. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. My, pub, yeah, my niece and nephew were obsessed with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This I Is Me. It. And actually, one of the patients said to me once that uh, there's a song in it called This Is Me. You must have heard it. Anyway. Um, and they said, oh, it's like us. Because we have, like, scars and we're kind of seen as freaks and things like that. You haven't heard the song, but you hear I've the, heard song. the song. I've heard the song. Oh, it's, very, it's, like, it's very good. empowering. Yeah. And, and she said, oh, it really helps me. And even on the podcast, she said she liked that song because it, like, made her think that, um, you know, I can do it and I'm a... And I did say that I looked like Hugh Jackman a little bit, but... No. Not a good person. No, no, no. All right, fair enough. Um, the thing is with a podcast, yeah. you can say that. Well, I know, That's true, you can, you can, can say that. Yeah, no one will know. It's yeah. great. How yeah. do you look after yourself after mm. kind of a difficult day? Because I think before yeah. we started recording, you were saying, yeah. oh, it must be difficult for you recording the podcast. It's like... Yeah. That was quite funny, you saying that, actually. Yeah, exactly. You're saying that it's hard for us to talk about mental health. I mean, yeah. we do it once a week, but you're actually there yeah. all the time. And yeah, some people yeah. who are really struggling. Yes, but, but like I said, you guys, you hear these people and you kind of have to... Yeah, but just for well, like once a couple a hours a week. <laughs> this is your yeah. job. So yeah. how, do, how do you look after yourself and well, make sure you're not taking yeah, it in? Yeah, I think I said to someone before that it is challenging. Like You have to kind of um, decompress after maybe a long day at work or something like that. So, you know, cycle home or whatever and try and get out that way. But uh, I try and pick out the one positive thing that's happened that day and try and focus on that rather than the negative things that have happened. So... Uh, the, the, just the other day we had a patient she said to me uh, are you on tomorrow and I said no she went oh <laughs> and that kind of made me feel happy because I thought oh she wanted me to be working uh, so you try and pick out the positives and try and not ignore the negatives because you know it's part of the, the job but you have to look at the overall picture and maybe that patient's not too well today and they are calling you all kinds of names yeah. and things but you know the next day they'll kind of be back in again and they'll be saying look uh, I didn't mean that and try and work together to try and make them better um also, do you have any experience with your own kind of mental mm. ill health or any struggles there? Because well, I think you talk about you've yeah. grown up around it. Yes. And it's always difficult if you're a professional yeah, in mental yeah, absolutely. health. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that's, um, that's a huge thing that we, we kind of take for granted, really. Yeah. And I think mental health professionals are not very good at looking after themselves. I mean, we're very lucky. So we have, like, um, counsellors on site. And we have, like, uh, debriefs and things like that. And I have seen the counsellor there, and they're fantastic. They're great. I think you're great just to... For me particularly, it helps me just to talk at someone. Mm. And I think the biggest part of mental health and the biggest help to anyone is someone just to go, oh, that sounds really tough. And I think that helps just to have someone else just go, yeah, that does sound like it's really bad and really hard. Um, So, yeah, that that really helps me. Like, you know, when you've had really kind of specifically bad incidents, yeah, it's good to, to be able to talk about them and get them out in a safe environment. The patient's ever really make friends do you think with the other patients because i think again there's the the idea that it's like more of a prison sort of situation and people are sort of scared of being in there scared of their own mental health and also scared of the other people yeah oh, absolutely yeah, that, oh, yeah that's one of the big things they talk about is making uh, connections with other patients and they can kind of help each other through their and you know their kind of recovery and things like that um and you'll often hear the patients that are still there will ring patients that are, have left and they've still got that kind of connection. Mm. And, yeah, there's a huge thing. Making friends on the ward is very, very important to, to the patients, yeah. Obviously, NHS is really underfunded. Yeah. Mental health care is shit. Yeah. Um, the mental health hostel mm. that you're describing sounds expensive. Yeah. In so, terms of, like, the activities and all the equipment. How? So we're, we're like a charity. So, yeah. Uh, so NHS patients most of the people in there are nhs patients mm. but the nhs pays for them to be there um and kind of we're a charity that kind of is able to maybe do things slightly different to the nhs mm-hmm. but you're right about the the underfunding is um is unbelievable i don't think i mean 
not just the government, previous governments, nobody really cares about mental health. I mean, it's all easy to talk about it and say, yes, yes, we really want to yeah. improve stuff and all that kind of stuff. But when it actually comes to it, they don't want to you know, put stuff in. And it, really important for the guys that I work with is the stuff in the community that's free. Mm. So often they, you know, they don't have much money and they might be unemployed and things like that. But having free stuff in the community is vital. So like, you know, cafes, lunches or whatever, you know, um, libraries mm. and drop-in centres and things like that. Anything that's free that we can go and meet people is so important. Like I attended a, have you ever heard of crisis cafes? So these yeah. cafes itself. And they're, they're amazing. Like there's guys that come there and they say, like, I've traveled like three or four miles to come and just be here and play a puzzle with someone. And again, it's about that human connection, just mm. having someone to talk to and being able to speak to someone it doesn't have to be meaningful just you know someone to say hi uh, and they're the things that are being cut and they're the things that eventually will lead these patients or people that maybe have mental health issues to kind of deteriorate and then end up in hospital and i think i was talking to you before that the threshold has now gone much higher so to get any kind of access to care you have to be a lot more unwell mm. and of course that has a knock-on effect that when you get to kind of our stage low secure they're seriously unwell you know you need to be really really unwell to get kind of um, into our place which is, makes it a lot harder than in their recovery I mean, it's, a, it's a shame because sometimes you think if we just stepped in a little bit earlier we may not have had to end up in hospital even if you look at it from a, like a financial point of view you would save money you know if you put stuff in at the start rather than at the end it would it's anyway i don't know i'm, I'm not continue. part of the government so i don't know i don't know what um you're preaching to the choir is. honestly yeah. i mm. think we can all agree like it is literally like mm. if you just have the human connection and yeah, like yeah. the social things you could literally save lives yeah and it's then mad. just like you know um, like i said having someone like a therapist or whoever early on would stop you from having to be sectioned and mm. And it would take a lot more longer for you to... to I mean, I, I said it's financially, but obviously for the person, it's you know really detrimental too. Um, but, uh, but like I said, hopefully the podcast, I'm trying to shine a light on that the hospitals maybe aren't as bad as what people think. Mm. So maybe not to be as scared if they are being sectioned. And particularly families. So uh, we do have some guys that their families won't come and visit because they're scared of what they think the hospital is like. We had one guy, his family thought the hospital was full of like serial killers. So, you know, like, um, what's the film? Uh, like Arkham Asylum or something? In... Uh, no, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs, you've seen that. Oh, film. You know, yeah. we're all in the kind of the cells mm. and the... Anyway, mm. but they thought it was like that. And uh, and so they wouldn't come and visit. So that's what I'm trying to say is that, no, they're not quite like that. And, and maybe, you know, people might be more encouraged to come. Like, we, we have patients when they go home, because sometimes they have home leave and things like that, they'll say to people, like, they'll say, where have you been? And they prefer to say they've been to prison. Mm. And say, I've been to prison rather than being hospital. Because if you say prison, you don't get as many follow-up questions as if you say I've been in hospital. They go, what's, what's wrong with you? And, and people don't want to kind of um, talk to people with a kind of serious mental illness. That's so, like, interesting and also really sad. Mm. It's quite sad, yeah. Mm. And, and again, that's just... I, I, I don't blame people for having that impression mm. of the hospital because they haven't seen what it's like and, and they don't know what hospitals are like. So um, they're going to fill in the gaps with stuff, you know, Hollywood films and things. But just the idea that you would be more ashamed of having a tough time mentally yeah. than doing a literal crime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that unfortunately is uh, something that the patients have to deal with, yeah. yeah. So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mm-hmm.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 